Thank you, Brett reminded me that this is Valentine's month, so don't forget, no, I think that's for the Kansas City Chiefs, isn't it? All right, we want to make sure. Uh, we'll bring them up in our message today. No, we won't bring them up. Well, um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open to two places, Romans chapter 12, and then Mar- uh, Matthew chapter 10. Romans chapter 12. In fact, I'm going to read it out of the message, and then uh, Matthew chapter 10. You can get there in your Bible. I want to start, in fact, my title today is As You Go. As You Go. And I'm going to look at that uh, in the scripture and use this as a theme as we study the Bible, especially on Sundays throughout this year, how Jesus both initiated contact with people, but how people initiated contact with Jesus, how he responded. You know, he was asked probably every question that you and I would ask of him. And we'll see how he uh, ministered to people. So let me read Romans 12, 1 and 2 out of the message. We've been reading this the last few weeks, but I want to read it again. And it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Now I know that might sound boring to you, right? Ordinary life. Now take this life. And here's what he says. You're sleeping, eating, going to work life and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Everybody say quickly respond. Sometimes we delay, don't we? Quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of, say it with me, immaturity. But God brings out the best of you and he develops a well-formed maturity in you. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take this everyday, ordinary life and place it before Him as an offering. You ever say that first thing in the morning? Uh, Lord, I need my offering of coffee this morning before I can... (laughs) Placing our lives before Him as an offering. Let me uh, read here. Let me get to Matthew chapter 10. In fact, let me back up just a a, a verse. Let me read uh, verse 36 first. Because I want you to get and capture again the heart of Jesus where it says, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were wearied and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I always need to remember that Jesus is moved with compassion for people. That jerk in your office, (laughs) Jesus is moved with compassion. The clown at your school, Jesus is moved with compassion. That person that wouldn't shut up about the Super Bowl all week long at work, Jesus is moved, right, with compassion, and their team will lose. No, you want to say that. (laughs) You know when I read that? 
Jesus is moved with the compassion that he sees for people, and it hasn't changed. In fact, when, when we read on, let me jump to chapter 10. I'll come back to verse 38 in a minute. So let me read uh, uh, chapter 10 down to uh, verse 1 through 10, and then we'll move on. It says, when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Now these were the name of the twelve. The apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebetus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go by the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of Samaria, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, that's the word I want to say. Oh, and I love how it comes up on the red letters now. That's like just a big deal for me. Say, as you go. Notice that that's the words that Jesus said. He didn't say go to the corner of this street or this freeway. He just says, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received... Freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, if we back up there, we'll look at this first in a minute. It's really, it's one of the times where Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few, so pray, except instead of praying, Jesus says, oh yeah, now you're going to go. Now remember, these guys are green. You got, you know, four of these guys are fishermen. Really, the only other one we really know what he does is the tax collector. And then we have, you know, Judas Iscariot, the one that betrays Jesus, that keeps track of the money. We don't know what all these guys do. This is all new to him, to them. They're following him. And now th this is pretty amazing to see everything Jesus does. And now Jesus like says, okay, now as you go, do that. Well, that's a pretty big assignment, don't you think? As you go, do that. And I, when I was reading through and I was praying about this year, and I'm reading through the Gospels and I'm reading verse 7, and those three words just kept sticking out to me, as you go. See, we are connected to Jesus. Yet he relies on us because we connect with people. You know, when, primarily my son, when my son was younger, he loved Legos. Let me, have you ever stepped on a Lego in the middle of the night? Oh, it is like a shard of glass. 
But the Legos are just kind of bland when they're all kind of a mess out. But when you put them all together, it's all connected until the kid takes it apart, right? And then I got smart and I used to glue them. You know, as you put them there, I used to glue it because why spend a couple hours doing Legos to tear the whole thing down? And I don't want to step on them again in the middle of the night. What, what Legos are useful not when they're individual by them. So nobody goes, oh, isn't that a beautiful yellow piece of a Lego? No, you're amazed and when something is sculpted. Well, we have been connected with Jesus and Jesus wants to use us to be connected to other people as we go. We, uh, we received it as a donation. It's actually in the back, an iMac computer. Though it's a 2015, we couldn't find the cords to actually uh, work it out for the projector to work. And so we had to go to an Apple store. Pasadena was out of it. We ended up going to Brea. And um, I couldn't find the connector because they're older. I, you just think, you know, technology nowadays, uh, you know, four or five years out, things are all replaced and changed. And as we were walking out, this one young man said, have you found everything that you needed today? And I said, no, I'm actually looking for these two Thunderbolt 2 cables. He says, let me check and see if I have them in the back. Well, he found the two we needed. And we began to talk. He says, what are, you, are you using this at home? And I said, no, it's for our church. And we started on uh, just talking about church. And he started talking about how he had gone to Biola and that he wasn't a Christian. And he says, I have to take Bible classes. And I don't even know any of this stuff. And our first Bible class is the book of Daniel. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, for anybody. Like you would have hoped that some kid that doesn't even know anything gets like John, right? the Gospel of John, but like Daniel. But he said, you know what led me to accept Jesus as my personal Savior? He said, I'm reading in Daniel 2, where there's Nebuchadnezzar has the vision of the statue, and it's got the four metals and the clay feet. That opened my eyes to understand Jesus. And I'm thinking, that's the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> the statue of metal. Something in the Word of God that you and I might pass over and not understand to this young man changed his heart so much when he was reading about these medals that it led him to accept Jesus as his personal Savior. He's now a leader at his church, leading the 11th grade youth, works at the Apple Store, does his own, you know. So all of this happened because I couldn't find these dang two connectors here in Pasadena, right, right up the street. And I had to go in the nighttime before they closed to find these two connections. But as I went, I heard this story. That was another encouragement of the power of God's word that I wouldn't have wanted to start anybody in Daniel, open to Daniel 2. You don't know anything about this? You probably don't even know who Daniel is. You heard of Daniel in the lion's den? Uh-oh, okay, well. And that out of that, would have changed somebody's heart. You know, I needed to hear that that night. We walked out thinking, uh, man, that's an encouraging to think that people's lives. In fact, what did he tell us? He said, I used to go to class with white powder from snorting cocaine until I read Daniel chapter 2. <laughs> I would never expect that to be a testimony. But that's what Jesus does. Right? That's what that's what he does. So when we read these things of as you go, 
as we go. He puts people across our path. He somehow makes it that I can't go and get what I need somewhere closer. i got to wait to get something later because he wants us to connect with people. You've heard this saying before, but there was a salesman that blew a big sale, and he told his manager, he says, you know, I guess you just can't, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And the sales manager told him, your job is to just make sure that he's thirsty. I may not be able to sit with somebody and go through everything that they need to know, but you know what I can do? I can help in that part of them being thirsty. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God got the increase. So all of us have a little part to play in the people that we connect with. You know, when you think of Jesus' life and, and ministry, we read about him at birth. All we read is, we, you know, we read about but, you know, the, the birth of the angels and the wise men, but then he escapes to Egypt. Then we read he's about 12 years old, and then we don't hear anything about him until he's 30. And his ministry only lasts three and a half years long, and then we read about him through the apostles as, as they begin writing. It's interesting, when you read about Jewish history, they referred to a person's life really at birth and then what they did at the end of their life. They kind of left out a, a big old gap, things that we might think are important. But what Jesus modeled and showed us in just three and a half years of ministry, we're still talking about it today. We're still trying to get that right heart to be moved by compassion because there's people that can move your heart the absolute other direction, isn't it? but we have to be people that uh, place our lives as an offering before him. So let me back up a little bit on uh, probably Jesus' method and his one true heart. Let me read you a few verses. Luke 6, 12 says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to, say it with me, pray, and continued all night in prayer with God. I just want to read a couple of scriptures because you know what we read about Jesus? He was a man that prayed. If I, ne if I never saw or read about him praying, but yet he told me to pray, I could completely understand that because he's God. Yet he is praying and getting strength and insight from his heavenly Father. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and he what? He prayed. He's going to model that for us, that, that connection, being apart, humbling ourselves to pray, settling things down, making those things a priority. And then we read uh, these verses, two different places. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, what? Pray. Pray for labors. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He said to them, The harvest is great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray. I could pull out verse upon verse where Jesus is going to teach the disciples how to pray, model how to pray, 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 pray. And you know what that reminds us that we need to be people of? People that pray. 
You'll notice in your bulletin, if you've been coming for a while, we'll mark down uh, prayer 121. And so we've asked you to set your alarm or alert or something at 121 uh, p.m., unless you're a night owl and you want to do a.m., that's great. And pray, take time to pray. I'm going to ask you for this year to make a change. You can change your alarm, you can change your alert, you can change your, your watch or whatever you have to 10.07 a.m. Some of you are like, oh, that's better because I'm up by then. All right, 10.07. That when your alarm goes off at 10.07, you're going to remember that verse as you go. That wherever you are, there might be an opportunity as you go that Jesus brings somebody across your path. I could sit up and tell you stories of just questions I'll ask people whether I'm going through a drive-thru. I have found out before how much somebody pays a month on, the, on their lease of a car. I found out how much they got on a loan on a car. People just start talking when you engage and talk to them. And that's what's missing today sometimes in our society because we've become so technical that we haven't been face-to-face. But 10.07, set an alert. Maybe you're in class and you can't do it. Well, maybe there's a calendar alert or, or something. Everybody has alarms that go off nowadays. But that you would take a minute and it would be a prayer of your heart as you go. And here's what I know about God. As we are intentional as we go to connect with somebody, somewhere, somehow, God's going to use somebody to connect with you. That's just how he works. He, but he wants to see us worthy to step out as we go. Jesus was a man of prayer. But, you know, he, he really empowers these disciples and sends them to demonstrate his ministry. And he wants to tell them, hey, there's only, it's pretty simple, there's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of, of darkness. And here's what I always think is interesting, that Jesus would come, he would live, he would die, and then he'd want to use us to tell other people about him, to win them back to him, that he just wouldn't want to take all the credit and do it. He wants to involve you and I. You know, in that word preach, because many people, you know, I always have people say, oh, I would love to preach. Those are the ones you usually don't want to preach, right? I've got a three-hour sermon I'd love to come to your church sometime and deliver. It's usually those that maybe don't feel a calling, but given the opportunity, it just kind of comes out. You know that word preach means to be a herald. It's to tell people. And it doesn't mean I have somebody in a corner for hours. It could just be a conversation that comes across. It probably was a conversation that I wasn't even intentional in thinking about. That just has happened, but they remember. Why? Because it's Jesus wanting to get to them. Making that effort to get to them. You know, um, I was watching the, if any of you saw the national championship, LSU versus Clemson. At the end of the game, and I thought this was so interesting because you don't hear this anymore. The coach of LSU, after every game, usually a, a player gets the team ball, like whoever played the best. He didn't do that all year long. Because the team was a team. It wasn't an individual. Couldn't give the game ball to an individual. It's a team sport. 
I thought about that in, in this ministry with Jesus. It's not about individuals. It's about us being connected to him. And when we're connected to him, we're part of his team connecting to others. And that's what Paul said. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. You know, if you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see people named and unnamed. Usually, Jesus met people on their own turf. Many times, they initiated the contact with him, and many times, he initiated the contact with them. It was all different types of people, and sometimes it was third party. Somebody told that person about Jesus. And there was something in that person, there was an awakening in that person that they had to come and see who he was. And you know, these disciples, they weren't extraordinary gifted men. As I mentioned earlier, the fishermen. Have you ever met a fisherman? You know what they think about all the time? Fishing, right? Hooks, boats, you know. They, they monitor the tide. They know what's running. Have you ever met a fisherman? Like, they're pretty crazy, right? They're, they're into those things. Well, you take these guys that aren't fishing. Well, now Jesus is taking that nature to turn them into fishers of men. They hadn't done these things, but they were following what Jesus said to do. He even would allow a guy that's going to be a betrayer in his midst to use him to preach this gospel. He had a guy named Thomas that Thomas was so bold to doubt Jesus to even say, I'm not going to believe unless I stick my finger through his nail-pierced hand and stick my hand into the side that he was speared. That's ruthless to say that, isn't it? I mean, who would ever say anything like that? Oh yeah, that was one of the apostles. Boy, that shakes you up. So if God can use any one of these, do you know who he can use? The person sitting right behind you. All of us. You know, uh, back when I was, I started in youth ministry at Valley Community Church in Almani, and my first uh, ministry assignment was junior high ministry. And so uh, at that time, we had a lot of kids that were coming from the Almani area, but then I also helped out in the high school ministry. And so there were kids coming from Arroyo High School, Almani High School, and it was always hard to keep up with everybody. You know, you're trying to know, get to know faces and names. And, you know, kids move fast, right? They don't just, like, sit around. So one night, we're out at the movies. And I see these group of girls coming. And here's how I am if I see people out and about. I'm going to come talk to you. I'm not going to be like some people that when they see you, oh, they turn their, their back. They don't want you to see them at all. They hide. No, no, I'm going to come talk to you. Sometimes it drives my kids crazy. But I'm going to go, I'm not going to walk by you, I'm going to come talk to you. I see this group of girls coming out of the movie theater, I'm getting ready to go in, and I thought I recognized them. And I kept looking, and I thought, no, I don't want to walk by, then they're going to think, you know, and, and I remember this one girl smiled when she saw me, and she had a big silver tooth, I'm like, I know her. She must have been coming to the youth ministry. So I walked up, said hello, introduced myself to all of her friends, gave her a hug. Good to see you. How was the movie? I'm going to this movie. And then, you know, needless to say, we went on, wasn't thinking about anything. Well, the next Wednesday night, as we always did, we went to Taco Bell before youth ministry time, placed my order, drove up to the drive through window. The window opens, and I see this girl, and she smiles, and I see the silver tooth. And I thought, 
Oh my goodness, I didn't hug the girl at our youth group. I hugged the Taco Bell drive-thru girl. I introduced myself to all of her friends. <laughs> I was embarrassed. I think I, ex I got extra medium, you know, mild sauce in there. Oh, she was so glad to see me and I, so friendly. And I remember I was so embarrassed. I'm probably red right now. I was so embarrassed. But later I thought, I erred on the right side thinking that I knew them because they had been part, you know, of, of or I thought they had been part of our church. It's just a drive through person. God can use you in any area, and we see that in Jesus' life, who he initiated contact with. Sometimes it's right in front of us, but we didn't pay any attention at all. If we pray, and if we'll listen to what he says, and if we'll look, I can guarantee you that some connection will be made. Last verse I want to read. We closed with it last week. Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 2, out of the message. And I want us all to read this. Would, would you allow this to be the prayer of your heart today, and especially this year as we go? You know, as I go this year, I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm probably going to walk by some people. But I'm going to make sure that I'm intentional. Because if I'm intentional, then God's already at work on somebody's heart, and I get an opportunity maybe to water. Or I get the opportunity to plant seed. But he's going to get the increase. But I've got to study how he did it so it becomes natural to me. Hebrews 12, are you ready? Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in, study how he did it. Isn't that great? Study how he did it. You know how he did it early on in the end of uh, Matthew 9? He had compassion on the people. He looked at them, not as a chore or a distraction. He had compassion. When the little kids came up, oh, he loved the kids and the disciples. Like, get those kids away, right? No, he wanted those kids. He talked, used that analogy. He said, just like a child, child's faith. That's just like the kingdom of heaven. Study those things, how he responded. So Lord, today, we remember coming into February, we place our life before you as an offering. Embracing everything that you have. Father, for many of us, this might be uncharted territory. And for many of us, maybe we just talk too much and you need to tone us down a little bit. But Lord, our heart is to study how you did it. So that it isn't a chore, it becomes part of a relationship because the, our hearts are changed because Jesus' heart was changed because of the people that he saw. We know, Father God, when you look down on earth today, you have compassion for the people. You're long-suffering. You want everybody to have an opportunity to repent. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life 
Or maybe you've been running in a complete opposite direction and today's the day of salvation for you. I want all of us to pray this prayer as I pray, but if you're praying this for the first time, in fact, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, pray it with your heart as you confess Jesus as Lord. Pray this with me. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived and he died for me, but he rose again. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. And thank you for bringing me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that for the first time, or today was an